Can God really handle your problems? Pastor Xavier Reese says so. The sun is so large that if it were hollowed, it could contain more than one million worlds the size of our earth. How big is your God? Oh, but you don't understand my husband. <laughs> you don't understand my in-laws. Oh, 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 wow, you got a point there. I thought we were talking about something difficult like me making a universe or something. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What's the first thing you do when you run into trouble? Call a friend, borrow some money, or perhaps escape into a bottle? Today, Pastor Xavier helps reveal the ultimate source of relief from troubled times. Let's join him as he continues to explore the book of Colossians in today's Bible study, Jesus, Creator and Sustainer of All. We learn from the astronomers that the Milky Way, the disc-like-shaped galaxy to which our sun belongs, is, is a family of more than 100 billion stars. And these scientists say that there may be as many as 100 billion other galaxies in the universe. And they believe that the billions of these galaxies and billion stars may have hundreds of millions of planets like our Earth. God's creation from one sentence command. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. <laughs> one of the most inspiring and thrilling of recent discoveries by astronomers is that there is a great empty space in the north of the nebulae of the constellation Orion, a heavenly cavern so gigantic that the mind of man cannot comprehend it and so brilliantly beautiful that the words are inadequate to describe it. All astronomers agree there is a huge opening of Orion which is perhaps more than, listen, 16 trillion, 740 billion miles in diameter. To give you a perspective of that, the diameter of the Earth's orbit is 186 million miles, which is itself incomprehensible to our minds. Yet the opening into the heavenly cavern of Orion is 90,000 times as wide. In other words, there could be 30,000 solar systems like ours with a sun in the middle of each of them across the entrance of the opening in the north and still have room to spare. The sun radiates more energy in one second than man has used since the beginning of civilization. One second, a typical quasar throws out enough energy to supply all the Earth's electrical needs for billions of years. The sun is so large that if it were hollowed, it could contain more than one million worlds the size of our Earth. That's how large the sun is. There are stars in space so large that they could easily hold 500 million suns the size of our sun. There are about 100 billion stars in the average galaxy, and there are at least 100 million galaxies in the known universe. How big is your God? <laughs> oh, God, but you don't understand my husband. God, you don't, you don't understand my in-laws. Oh, oh, wow, you got a point there. I thought we were talking about something difficult like me making a universe or something. <laughs> All things were made by him, and without him nothing was made, John 1, 3 says. 
Genesis records that in the beginning God created heaven and the earth. Genesis 1.1, the word created is bara, created from nothing. If God created from existing material, it would have been the Hebrew word Asa. Despite of what evolution says, God has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture, Psalm 103 says. You are not some goggly gook that the sun beamed down upon and you crawled up to some slime and it irritated your forehead and a complex eye popped out and then a limb and this and that. Then you swung from a tree and then you landed here straight. <laughs> Boy, if you can believe that, you've got a lot of faith. That's foolishness. Isaiah describes the beautiful creation of God. Listen to him, how poetic he does it. Isaiah 40, 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Measured heaven with the span, meaning from his little finger to his thumb. Calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. Weighed the mountains in the scales and the hills in the balances. I got playing with toys. <laughs> I am the Lord. I make all things, Isaiah 44, 24 says. Hebrews says, whom also he made the worlds, the ages. Hebrews 1, 2. On the earth, everything is made up of atoms. Do you know that? They have protons, neutrons, and electrons that revolve around it. But we can't see them. So we can correctly say that everything that we can see is made up of things that we cannot see. Now, Scripture is way ahead of science and never contradicts True science, which is distinct from the evolutionary hypotheses that is taught as a fact when it isn't. Listen, Hebrews 11.3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. He's talking about atoms. This pulpit here, you can see, because the molecular structure is so compressed that it forms solid matter. But this solid matter is made up of things that you cannot see. Now we know that by science. Oh, that makes it different. Well, God said it from the beginning. Does he have to prove it? No. Jesus is greater than any angel. Power. He is the head of all principalities and powers. Colossians 2.10 told us already. He spoiled principalities and powers. Verse 15 tells us. He is above all principalities and powers, might, dominions, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but the world to come, Ephesians 1.21 says. Paul tells us that the church is manifesting the wisdom of God, and these principalities and powers in heaven are looking down. Amazed, Ephesians 3.10. Paul says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places in Ephesians 6.12. We are born into warfare. It's a spiritual warfare. It's not carnal. See, Jesus is the key to life. Without him, you and I can do nothing. John 15.5. He's all-powerful. For in him and through him and to him are all things. Paul says it also in Romans 11.36. Until you and I are thoroughly convinced that we can do nothing apart from Jesus Christ, we will depend on ourselves and trust in ourselves. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, until you are thoroughly convinced that you're lost and you're headed for hell, you will not call upon Christ. But that's a work of the Spirit of God. Man cannot convince you. The Spirit has to convict you of that, that you're lost. 
And if you die in your sin, you will be eternally lost because you have no power or ability to save yourself. He is one with God the Father, of whom are all things and are in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, of whom are all things, and we by him, 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Do you realize that one day Jesus is going to gather all things to himself in the dispensation of the fullness of time, Ephesians 1, 10 says? They put it all together. And every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, Philippians 2, 10. Right now, willfully, salvation is offered. Then forcibly, salvation will be denied. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. So the identity of Jesus in relationship to the creation is that he is what? He's creator. He's the visible form of the invisible God. He's creator also. He's beyond the creation, separate from the creation. Responsible for the creation. But notice thirdly here, verse 17. The identity of Jesus in relationship to matter. How does it all stay together? How can it be? Notice first, Paul declares that Jesus is not only creator of all things, but he, being God, preceded all he created. Jesus is and was before all created things. He preexisted and anticipated them and as Lord of creation. You might read Proverbs 8:23. In the beginning, before that, God, I was with him. He possessed me, speaking of Jesus Christ. He had the primacy over the cosmos, the firstborn of all creation. Jesus is the origin of all things. Jesus is the source of all things. Jesus is the cause of all things. Without him was not anything made that was made, John 1.3 says. That is why he is the heir of all things in Hebrews 1.2. When you make all things, all things belong to you. <laughs> no one gives them to you. What does Satan say? If you bow down and worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. The fallen kingdoms. Well, they belong to Jesus. But they were abdicated to Satan at the fall. And Jesus came to die to redeem that. Because when he returns for us, he sets up the kingdom. And after the kingdom, all things are under his feet. Very important. Now notice, secondly, Paul declares... That Jesus has a permanent part in creation towards matter. In him all things consist. So he not only created them, but he continues to hold them together. Jesus is the one who holds all things together and sustains all things. The word consist means that. Preservation or cohesiveness to hold things together. The unifying principle of life. Hebrews puts it that way in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 and 3. The atom has positive charges that should repel each other. They don't. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. Here in Colossians says he, all things consist in him. This is what makes our universe an orderly cosmos, not a chaos by random. By the way, ladies, do you know that the word for cosmetics comes from cosmos, bringing things out of order into order? <laughs> we have a cosmos, orderly, cohesively, not random chaos, as our quote-unquote evolutionists teach. 
Within the atom, those positive charges should repel by the law of science. They do not. You know what the scientists call that? They call it nuclear glue. Paul calls it Jesus Christ. <laughs> if by chance they did repel, there would be a big explosion. Everything solid has the potential of exploding. The reason it doesn't is because those positive charges don't repel. Who holds them together? Jesus Christ. Amazing. Isn't it interesting that one day the earth is going to be burned up with fervent heat? Psalm 75, 3 speaks of the dissolving of the earth. 2 Peter 3, 10 tells us it will be dissolved with fervent heat. How is he going to do it? Poof, let go. He holds everything together and he says, repel. Fervent heat. All power. The sun is a great power plant. If you were to mark off one square yard on the sun, three by three by three, and three deep, you would find that it is giving off 70,000 horsepowers of energy continuously. 70,000, three by three by three. There are a tremendous number of square yards in the sun's surface, more than 10,000 times the number of square yards on the surface of the earth. Suppose that we decide to buy the energy that the sun gives off for a period of 24 hours. Suppose we can buy that energy for one-fourth a cent per kilowatt hour. To pay for this energy in silver dollars would require enough money to cover the United States four miles deep. We're not talking about very much time. <laughs> this presents a tremendous amount of energy. Yet, when God created the sun, he had to have put into the act of creation all of the energy that has come forth from the sun and all that which is yet to come from the sun. There is still enough energy in the sun to last for some 30 billion years. Now stop and think about the power I just explained to you. If the sun is that powerful, how about the one who created the sun? The earth weighs approximately 6,000 million, million, million tons, they estimate. An amazing weight. And you know what God does? He has the nerve to hang it on nothing. <laughs> the wonderful things in nature are often the smallest. I love the, the uh, History Channel and, 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 and all the nature things, all the bugs and all that. Listen, a flea leaps 200 times its length. You may say, so what? Listen, a man would have to jump 1,200 feet to equal what a flea leaps. Pretty good, huh? Wish you could take them to the Olympics. A housefly takes 440 steps to travel three inches. And he does it in a half a second, corresponding to man running 20 miles in a minute. And we think we're something. An ant lifts a load many, many times its own weight. A man would have to lift 
a diesel locomotive and carry it on his back to compare with what an ant carries. Turnip seeds, <laughs> under good conditions, increase their weight 15 times a minute. And in rich soil, turnip seeds may increase their weight 15,000 times a day. There is no force more powerful than a growing squash. A squash, 18 days old, has been harnessed in such a way that in its growing process, it lifts 50 pounds on a lever. 19 days later, it lifted 5,000 pounds. Amazing. This is the God you serve. This is the God who saved you. This is the God who's in control. His name is Jesus. Jesus is eternal and has always been by virtue of the fact that he's God. He created all things and is before all things. He said in the Old Testament, You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, speaking of Israel, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there is no God formed, nor shall there be after me. Isaiah 43, 10. John the Baptist said, This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me. For he was before me. How can John say Jesus was before him? You know John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus. What did he mean by that? It means he preexisted. He was from all eternity. You find that in John 1.30. Jesus said before Abraham was to the Jews, I am in John 8.58. They said, oh, you're not even 50 years old. He was talking about his preexistence. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it, and he was glad, John 8, 56. Blew their mind. Where did Abraham see Jesus? Maybe in Genesis 22, when he substituted the sacrifice of Isaac, his son. Maybe when the, God came down as an angel before destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. He saw my day. He saw it, and he was glad. You guys aren't glad. And you declared to know God. His going has been from old, from everlasting, literally from the vanishing point to the vanishing point. In Micah 5.2, the prophecy of him being born in Bethlehem from all eternity. The omnipotence of Jesus is one of his attributes of God, creator and sustainer, having all power. The power we've looked at is incomprehensible. I mean, we can't even fathom it. And yet, he is greater than all that. He's the source. Listen to Jeremiah. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? You ever see any record anywhere that God's tired? That he's out of patience? That he took a vacation? <laughs> His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But 
Those who wait on the Lord shall receive their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. That is the reason why you and I have to depend on Jesus Christ and trust in him and walk by faith through the power of his spirit. Behold, I am the Lord your God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Jeremiah 32, 27. You know what the context there is? God's going to take him into Babylon. And he tells Jeremiah, Jeremiah, you're in jail. I want you to call your nephew, and I want you to drop a contract to buy the land. And I want you to buy a piece of land and seal a document because I'm going to bring you back. Jeremiah is having some doubts. God says, listen, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. You mean I can't bring you back? <laughs> is it impossible for me? Of course not. You see, Jesus is superior to any man or angel. Being made so much better than the angels, and again, when he brings in the first begotten into the world, he said, and let all the angels of God worship him. Hebrews 1, 4, and 6. Angels worship him. He's beyond angels. To which of the angels said he at any time, sit at my right hand as, until I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth as ministers for them who are the heir of salvation? Hebrews 1, 13 through 14. Angels were created to be heirs, the ministers of us, to help us, to do the bidding of God. They had a point, a day, when they were created. God always was. If, in fact, Jesus is not God, creator and sustainer of the world, but a created angel and less than an emanation of the false teachers here at Colossae, how can Paul say that he is before all things here in verse 17? That he preceded them all. How can he say that in him dwells a full, the sum total of deity in chapter 1, verse 19? How can he say that we're complete in him regarding salvation in chapter 2, verse 9? Jesus was the answer to Isaiah's prayer. Do you realize that? Isaiah 64 prayed. He says, oh, that God would rent or tear the heavens and come down. Jesus is the answer prayer to Isaiah. The Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He became flesh. The invisible God became visible for a time for the redemption of man. He is God, creator, and sustainer. All oh, the depths. You know, we can understand a lot of things about God, but, you know, we understand very little. He is so beyond us. He's transcendent. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy. He puts it this way. 1 Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up to glory. 1 Timothy 3.16. Correlate that. Remember it also with John 3.16. 1 Timothy 3.16. Look up all the 3.16s in the New Testament. You'll blow your mind how they correlate. <laughs> the identity of Jesus in relationship to the matter is that he is the sustainer of everything. And so, Paul the Apostle has revealed the identity of the person of Jesus to be fully divine, being endowed with the attributes of deity from these three vantage points. Real simple. The identity of Jesus in relationship to God. He is a visible form of the invisible God. The identity of Jesus in relationship to creation. He created all things. The identity of Jesus in relationship to matter. He holds all things and maintains all things on and on and on. Jesus is God, creator and sustainer of the world. He is the same today, 
yesterday, as he ever will be forevermore. Can you say with Thomas, my Lord and my God? If you can, you need to come to that place. For he is. Pastor Xavier Reese and the invitation to meet God, the only one who can handle all of your problems and meet your needs. And you can request your own copy of Jesus, Creator and Sustainer of All. As always, we're making it available on CD for just $4. And by the way, this also includes what Pastor Xavier talked about the last time we were together. So once again, the title to ask for is Jesus, Creator and Sustainer of All. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please help us by including the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This helps us check on the effectiveness of this outreach in your area. Can man's reasons match the wisdom of God? And that's coming up next time here on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 